A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit BeNext.ThinkMoCo.com to see how we can help you be next. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 94 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, but first, let's bring in my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much, but we have a great topic to talk about today that I'm really much looking forward to. I know uh, I've had several FYPDs, I have several about to start so spoiler we're going to talk about first year player drafts and we're going to discuss some notable risers and followers the international signees and then takes we have a bunch of listener questions too so thanks to all those who sent in questions and we even are going to end the show with a sneak peek at fypd for next year and what that looks like so that's going to be a lot of fun the rundown looks great and i can't wait to chat but meanwhile you're missing two teeth you had your wisdom teeth out yesterday so i'm impressed (laughs) that you're on here talking because I, my pain tolerance is so low, like I'm like a baby when stuff like that happens. So <laughs> I remember when I had my four wisdom teeth out. I think I was 18 when I had them all out. Just, God, it's been 10 years. Jeez. But yeah, I just remember like being like sulking for like days and <laughs> not being able to eat anything. It was awful. <laughs> props to you. We're recording a podcast. We're talking baseball. It's going to be a good day. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I had my bottom two out back when I was, yeah, about 18, give or take. And they said, oh, yeah, you'll need to have the top two out within a couple of years. I'm like, okay. And then, you know, 13 years later, here we are. They came They came in apparently over four years ago, according to x-rays. They just never gave me any trouble until recently. So, yeah, just got the top two out yesterday. And it's funny, I never wanted crunchy food more than the last 24 <laughs> hours. I had them done uh, about 3, about 4 p.m. yesterday, Eastern time. Which, uh, record, we're recording about 1 p.m. on Wednesday. So it's been less than 24 hours. And I was sitting there last night, my kids at my son was eating Cheez-Its. And I'm like, I want those so bad right now. Like, I've never wanted Cheez-Its more in my entire life, but obviously I had to stick to soup and pudding and applesauce and all that. I had a sandwich today though, for lunch, I'm graduated to a sandwich, but can't drink out of a straw for like a week. So I'm like, I'll have to go old school and drink my iced coffee in the morning out of like, you know, out of a cup and not, not use a straw. So don't want to rip everything open, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun episode though. We did these, FYPD episodes we did I think we did yeah we did two episodes back in 
was it July? I think we did them, Chris. When we did yeah, both we the, did the hit, in, hitter and pitcher review. Yeah, and then I think we did one in like October, but you know, it's a lot's changed, so it's definitely time to to update it. Absolutely, and we yeah. did. We have an article. We updated it beginning of this month, so yep. we hadn't talked about it in podcast form. And we figured with everybody, like Chris mentioned, having their FYPDs right around this time, including a lot of our own personal FYPD drafts. We figured we'll have a nice little update here. Like Chris mentioned some risers and followers from our rankings, which have changed a good amount from back, you know, our, our initial update. Like, for instance, like Khalil Watson and Brady House were like fifth and fourth for Chris and I. Now I have Watson two, Chris has Watson one, and then Brady House moved up from like seven to two for Chris and from eight to four for me. So plus once you get further down the rankings, there's a lot other big rises and followers, of course. Some guys have played, others haven't, some have gotten injured. So there's a lot to what a changes in the rankings. So we'll go over all of that, plus everything else Chris mentioned. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us. And, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kits. Let's get right into it, though, Chris. Where do you want to start? We, we can start a lot of areas. Let's start with our new personal ranks. Let's go top 10 here to start. We, we won't give our, our entire rankings like we have in you know in our other episodes with our dynasty rankings and whatnot, but we'll give like our top 10 or top 20 or so overall. And then if you want to check out the rest of our rankings, go check out fantexhq.com. It's our combined top 100, and we have write-ups on the top 50 there. So you want to check out the rest of the rankings, go right there for those. Let's start with our personal, our new personal top tens. Chris, what you got? All right. So I actually like this top 10 a lot more than I did at one point. Like, I think the, the talent pool is a little deeper than we yeah. once thought. So there's some good names. I mean, and honestly, like, this is a tier. And and let's go. I'm going to go ahead and do this. Someone, this is a listener question about the tiers, but I'm just going to go ahead and tier them out. So, like, you have an idea. So, tier one, first overall, Khalil Watson, Brady House at two. Marcelo Meyer at three and Sia Suzuki at four. So that, that's tier one for me, like those four in that tier. Suzuki is in that tier because of proximity. Like he's going to contribute right away. And I do think the talent levels there, like he could end up easily number one on this list. There's a ton of upside. So Suzuki is in that tier one for me. And then tier two would be Jack Leiter at fifth overall, followed by Jordan Lawler, Henry Davis, and Harry Ford. And I think I, I toyed with going my ninth person in tier two as well. And I'm going to do it. I, I think it's close enough. So Colton Kowser is in the second tier at number nine. So good man. Yeah. My boy. It's, it's very close. I have him in four real close. I'll put him in the same tier. So lighter through Kowser is, is tier two. And then Trey Sweeney is my 10th overall starting at tier three there. And so there's a decent group of names. Actually, I would say that 10 through probably 10 through 13 in my rankings will be tier three. So that would, I'll just go ahead and say Sweeney McLean, Christian McQuero and Benny Montgomery rounds out tier three there for me. So that's the top three tiers and top 13 players for this year. Yeah. I have 15 in my top three tiers here. So my tier one, I have five guys. I got uh, number one. I still have Marcelo Mayer though. The gap is closing for sure. Right behind him, Khalil Watson, and then Jordan Lawler at three, Brady House at four, Sia Suzuki at five. That's tier one. Tier two, I have four guys, six through nine. Jack Leiter, Colton Kowser, who I am just 
you know, I wrote an article featuring him three, four weeks ago, something like that. I think this is going to be an absolute fantasy. Not maybe not stud, but he's going to be a big riser this year. So I'm kind of planting a flag on Colton Cowser now. Harry Ford and Henry Davis round out tier two, tier three, which is ten through fifteen in my rankings. I got actually, you know what? I'm going to make it 10 through 16. I like, I want to put this guy in tier three as well. So 10 through 16, I got Sal Freelich, James Triantos, Christian Procuero, Trey Sweeney, Jackson Job, and Matt McLean rounding out that. So I was 16 for me in the top three tiers. Yeah, definitely. There's a couple of other guys that maybe could have stuck up in there, but I feel good about the top three tiers there. And like, like I mentioned, that's a definitely a little bit different from our rankings back in. Back in July, Chris, who are some other let's let's talk some risers and fallers here. Not just in our in our top, you know, three tiers here. Who was like a name or two that you found rise you know, either rising or falling up your list or down your list in a pretty significant way? Oh, well, James Triantos and, and James Allen both moved up pretty significantly. They are 14 and 15 on my list, so right after that tier three. They were both kind of under the radar. Like I didn't love Allen. At draft time, I mean, he went what back in the first round, I think. Yeah, and I don't know, I wasn't all in on him, but he was just absolutely stellar in his debut, which caused him to move up. Triantos is another one who just performed like both those guys came out of the draft and just performed at the big league level, which I thought was huge for their value. So they'll be interesting to follow to see. I know Baseball America has said. Triantos is 70 grade hit. I've also heard on the flip side that Triantos values peaked from, from other people. So he's really an interesting one to be like, you know, he's going to go one way or the other. I think, I don't think he just sits in the spot. So, but both those guys have moved up the rankings pretty significantly. I wish I had a a line in my chart comparing like where I had them all ranked before, but and Triantos was significantly lower. Allen was probably in my 30 to 40 range if I had to guess, but I don't remember for sure. Lonnie White is one that moved up for me just because I got some pretty good padded Paul data on him that was pretty stellar. I'm going to pull it up, see if I can find it. But from his high school days, I mean, he was a major standout. If I remember right, he had a max EV of like 113, which was much higher than anybody in the that's, Yeah, it's pretty damn good. Class. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, he had a max of 113.54. And everybody is so concerned about his swing and miss, but his contact rate was 75%, and he only chased 23% of the time. Just for comparison's sake, some other one. I mean, Brady House, who has massive raw power, had a max of 108, and contact at 71. Some other guys had much lower contact that are in this group that are ranked much higher. So I moved Lonnie White up for that sake. And White was also a three-sport athlete where he was elite football player, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure he also was a lead on the track as well. And the fact was that he was com- he was a four-star wide receiver commit to Penn State. Now he gets to focus solely on baseball. And I think that any concerns we have about the contact skills are going to improve. I've got him at 24th overall. Maybe that's even a little low. I think I can make an argument for him above like South Frelick at 19 because Frelick – it, while a really solid hitter just doesn't have a huge fantasy upside, in my opinion, when Lonnie White does. So Lonnie White, somebody that I'm targeting because he's a freak athlete with massive power, great speed, and I think the contact skills are better than we give him credit for. 
Yeah, there are several of those types of guys, like those multi-sport star athletes in high school that are now going to be, for the first time in their lives, kind of focusing solely on baseball. So there's a lot of those intriguing types in this draft. I do. I like Lonnie White as well. I have him 23rd right now. I can definitely yeah, see rank him ahead of a few of the guys I have in front of him. Yeah, Jay Allen, I have at 18. He's in second guy in Tier 4, uh, right behind Roderick Arias. And then James Triantos is 12. I think Triantos, I think, yeah, I wish I, I should keep like past FYPD rankings for myself, but I think he was in the mid-20s and Allen probably late 20s. Uh, that's just random guesses but where I think I had them initially. So definitely have had those two raised up quite a bit. And, you know, I don't know. It's I think it's a little early to say that Triantos' value has – has peaked. I'm not sure why people are saying that. I mean, I can understand it if it was like a Jason Dominguez situation where he's getting comped to three of the best offensive talents the game has ever seen as a 17-year-old. I can get that. But those crazy comps haven't been there with Trianto. So I could definitely see him rising a good ton. This is a guy that could be a top 25 prospect by the end of 2022 if he has a good showing uh, here in his first season in the minors. So the hit tools there, that power should come along. There's at least some speed there. So, yeah, I definitely can see Toronto's rising even more. And, and we might, might look back and you know, he might be ranked as high as, you know, Kowser and four, maybe even ahead of those guys, maybe even near Lawler and all these guys. I can see him getting up near that group for sure. Uh, a couple that have risen for me, like Colton Kowser, like I mentioned, he was 11 for me in my initial back in last July. And now he's seven. And I almost put him, I almost, could literally put him five. Like the top four for me is locked in Mayor Watson, Lawler House. Suzuki is there. I can see taking him earlier if you're, you know, a, in a win now mode. But I almost could make a case for Colton Kowser at five, especially long term value. Like he gets that whole, you know, didn't play against the top tier competition knock. But, and that's the same thing Chase Delatter will probably get next year's draft because he goes to James Madison with Colton Kowser going to Sam Houston State. So yeah, he didn't face off against elite competition a lot. Like he had a couple of get, you know, games against like Texas and stuff like that. But Colton Cowser, like the hit tool is plus. The power is on the rise. Like this could be a guy that hits 290 plus, hits top of the order. Like he's got that leadoff number two hitter profile. And I think he could flirt 2020. I really could. We'll see how the power develops. You know, he's already shown good speed as well. So maybe he's only, you know, 50 to 55 power and speed guy, but this is a plus hitter. Great approach, you know, high floor, pretty good ceiling as well. Doesn't have the super lofty ceiling, but I, I love Colton Kowser. And then Harry Ford's another one. He was, I think, 13, 14 in my initial. He's now eight right behind Colton Kowser. I've moved him. He's two spots ahead of Henry Davis in my overall top 400, which will be both Chris and I will be up, updating those early part, probably first week of March, but they're live on our Patreon. So go check those out if you're not a Patreon subscriber there. You know, everything about four has just been so incredibly not not even as positive. That doesn't even do it justice. Like this glowing uh, reports on Harry Ford and it's a step, but he could be plus across the board offensively. You know, people worry about that catcher tag. He's probably moving out from behind catcher long term. So don't worry about that. You know, whether that's, you know, the to a corner infield, corner outfield, we'll see. But just look at the offensive profile. It's something Chris and I have preached a lot is don't draft position. You know, people have asked us, oh, I already have, you know, these three or four great shortstops. Should I pass on one of these prep shortstops? No, don't. You know, 
draft the talent. The rest will figure itself out. These guys change positions all the time. Shortstops move over to third, move over out to the outfield. We'll see that with like CJ Abrams and others. So don't worry about position. Grab the talents. And Harry Ford is definitely one of those talents there for sure. A couple others here. I'm trying to think, look at some others. Right, let's get into the the guys we've added here, Chris. The since our last time we talked FYPD in our last rankings update, we've added in the international guys that were signed back about a month ago now uh, in mid-January. And obviously the, the top two, I think clear-cut top two from this draft class are Roderick Arias and Christian Vaquero. And I think a lot will have Arias ahead of Vaquero, but not here. Both of us are very much on the Vaquero bandwagon here. Yeah, it's it's not really close. For me, I mean, I guess it, it sort of is. I've got Vaquero 12th and Arias 17th. I do think that Arias just gets the Yankees bump a little bit. Yep. I, I think he's a solid player, but I'm not sure what kind of fantasy ceiling we're really looking at here. Meanwhile, Vaquero, I feel like just is very well-rounded, which could lead him to take a humongous jump forward. And I, I guess I could see Vaquero jumping to be a top 50 prospect pretty easily when I don't really see that for Arias. So the upside with Vaquero leads me to push him much higher. I mean, you look across the board, I think he's potential plus power. He's got plus speed as well. The hit tool could even be plus. So you're looking at a true five tool player because he's he's got a great arm and he's great in the field as well. Arias, I don't think he's as flashy. I don't really know. And here's the thing. It's so hard to really put numbers on these international signees. I was actually talking with, with Jeff Pontus about this this morning about, and he was, we were chatting about Juan Ben Cho, who I'm going to mention in a little bit, but just talking about the difficulty of trying to do anything with these guys before we actually see them stateside. And we only can go off what we read from those who have been there to see him in game and the little video that we have. So it makes it tough. And in some ways I wish that we didn't have to rank these guys in FYPD (laughs) rankings, it, it would make our life a lot easier because it would, yeah. There, there's so little that we have on them. And so the, the inaccuracy with what we do in these FYPD rankings is probably pretty high when you go back and look at them, just because there's so much unknown. There's so many unknowns here with these players. And it's not to say that we missed, it's just that we didn't know. But so I do like Fiquero. I like everything I've seen and read from him better than Arias. So that's kind of where yeah. I am on both those guys. For sure, yeah. I, I've talked with a few about Vaquero, and and yeah, I think people that have really dug into Vaquero all have Vaquero over Arius, and that's not to say Arius would be bad. Like I think there's a chance he's a you know above average across the board type of offensive player, but Vaquero could be plus across the board, and maybe even better than that. You know, in terms of in terms of the power department, because you look at Vaquero, he's an absolute beast already. He's listed at 6'3", 180, very strong frame and could add more bulk. Obviously, he's still only 17 years old. He was born September of 2004, so can't you can't imagine he's done filling out that frame. So this could be that, that prototypical slugging corner outfield type that also can run very well right now. He's, he's gotten consistent plus or even better run grades. And he's shown, you know, like a good feel for hitting too. That's the one thing I hate to I hate to put grades, especially on the hit tool, because that Hit tool comes in games. Like we don't see game action from these guys. Like Chris mentioned, we're seeing video from them on a dirt field in Venezuela or Dominican Republic or Cuba or wherever it may be. And we just don't have game footage of, of these play. Very, very little game footage. We, you do on some of these guys, but not really 
much at all. So yeah, that's, and that's always the X factor is the hit tool. Some players have that huge power speed blend, but can't hit enough to maximize that. So uh, we'll see with all these guys, but yeah, definitely Vaquero over Roderick Arias. Like I have Vaquero. He's the only international guy I put in my top 100 overall. I put him at 85 right now. And Arias is around 115, about 30 spots lower. For just FYPD purposes, I have Aquero 13 and Arias 17. So it's not a huge gap in terms of you know those rankings, but I very, very solidly feel of Aquero over Arias. And since you mentioned him, Chris, let's go over to a one bin show here who is a surprise kind of late, you know, mm-hmm. signing for this period. People didn't think he was gonna sign this year, but St. Louis kind of swooped swooped in, yeah, swooped in, <laughs> swooped in, you know what I'm trying to say, and scooped him up. And I think, you know, I think you're you've been leading the charge here on one bin show. I think you have him a little higher than I do. So what have you seen? From all the video, I know I know you've dug into Juan Bencho quite a bit here. What have you seen that has you really excited about Juan Bencho? Well, I think one of the major differences is he has a ton of game film because he yep. played <laughs> stateside. Like he was in Georgia playing for like some travel teams for a good bit of time, which and his YouTube is very active, which I found very helpful. He has a ton of of game footage. And the question mark is everybody says oh, you're onto him because of a home run derby video with an aluminum bat, which is silly because it's a home run derby with an aluminum bat. Yeah, I mean, he did hit a monster home run that went like 480 feet and like 115 miles an hour off the bat. But he still had a, a exit velocity of like 111 with a wood bat, which is pretty impressive. Honestly, he's he's very, very sound at the plate. And I think everybody's just like, you know what? He's not worth it because – the Cardinals didn't give him a high bonus. And everybody looks at that. Everybody's like, all right, these guys are good because they got a high signing bonus. But exactly what Eric said, he was supposed to be in next year's class. There was some speculation that he was going to sign with with Washington next year and kind of be their big guy. But when he decided to reclassify for this class, we know that all of Washington's money went to Christian Cuero. So yep. the Nationals didn't have the money to pony up for, for to get him this year. And most teams didn't because here's the thing, like these signing bonuses have already been handshaked, agreed on for a year or two. So they know what they were giving out. And most teams didn't have a lot left, which led Cho to only get about 500K. So with Cho, I just look and very good swing, very good work ethic. And yeah, I would say all professional ball players have a good work ethic, but he's constantly at it. He's constantly posting workout videos. He's constantly posting, working on his swing. And when you look at it, he's already built so well for his age. And and another thing, I mean, he's so young. Most of these players coming from Korea and Japan are much older, but he's only 18 and he's jacked already. I can't remember what he's listed at exactly, but he is big dude. He honestly runs pretty well. I was clocking some of his, he has stolen base videos on his YouTube, which was cool. The swing's just very sound. He, he creates a lot of lag, and he has that typical big leg kick that most foreign players do, or at least Asian players do, I'd say. They all kind of mimic that same big leg kick, but he makes it work. His timing's really good, and the common per- misperception, misconception is, at least, when you have the big leg kick, it's harder to adjust, but I've watched Cho on off-speed pitches, and he he weights back well. He keeps his weight balanced, even with the big leg kick. His, his front leg up in the air but he stays back on the off-speed and still hits them well. So that's kind of what was was big for me. I think there's really big power here. The hit tool is the question mark because we don't know. 
but we'll see him live this year. And actually, what I was talking to Jeff about is Jeff sent me a thing this morning where Cho has been working with Driveline. He was actually working out with Nolan Arenado this morning and Matt Carpenter, which I thought was was really interesting. So some big names that he's working with, and he's at Driveline. So he's into the analytics already, which is huge. So those factors lead me to rank him 35th. Big fan of, of Cho and We'll know more this year. I think we'll we'll get a we'll obviously get to see him live this year. But yeah, he's he's a big one to watch, and he could fly up the board. I think. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely uh, well, created a lot of buzz. So you'll see. I think you'll start seeing his name get you know higher and higher in rankings as time goes on. Here, definitely like Joe as well. Yeah, that may have been my fault. Created too much buzz. <laughs> hey, someone's got to do it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. In order for buzz to happen, someone has to create it. So nobody was talking about him. I found him. I'm like. What in the world? Like the, <laughs> all the buzz around him was actually with the dog when he signed. Like, you know, he had that cute dog that had oh, I remember that, yeah. 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 And that picture that went viral. But yeah, no one was talking about how good he is on the field. <laughs> that's all that matters, right? That's yep. what that's what uh, that's what we draft off of is their talent on the field. A couple of other while we're on the international kick here. A couple let's talk about a couple of other international guys that we just really like. It doesn't have to be like guys that are third, fourth in our rankings, just guys that we're really intrigued by. For me, I think a guy I might be higher on the most, I love Anthony Gutierrez. Uh, he signed with the Texas Rangers uh, out of Venezuela, and he's built very well right now. 6'3", 180, kind of similar to Christian Vaquero, and he's shown a very good feel for hitting in the videos that we've seen. And I think there's potential for a lot more power. Like you, You'll see the power grades that you will see on some of the bigger sites may not jump off the page at you, but... From what I've seen in video of Anthony Gutierrez, quick quick hands, really powerful swing, has some nice natural loft given his, his, his bat path here. So I think Gutierrez could be a plus power guy with at least average speed as well. He's a good athlete, so he'll probably lose a little bit of speed as he fills out. But I think there's enough athleticism there to still you know at least add some element of speed to his game long term. And Texas, I think he's going to be in a pretty good – you know, they've, they've had some decent success over the last handful of years developing offensive prospects. So I think he's in a pretty solid system. We'll see. But I love Gutierrez a lot here. I think I've been ranked a little higher than most. Lazaro Montez went to Seattle. He's another very strong, toolsy outfielder with big power. Seattle obviously has a great track record with uh, developing prospects over the last handful of years. So great fit there. Tony Blanco is another one I'm just intrigued by. He's a little younger. Uh, he's one of the younger players from this class. St- still only 16. Won't be 17 until mid-May, but he's a beast. He's listed 6'6", 245. I mean, he's had some time in the States as well. So I- I'm not sure how the frame goes. I mean, maybe he just gets too big. We'll see. You don't see many 6'6", 245-pound 16-year-olds out there. So uh, he's just one that I'm just really intrigued by. The, the raw power is there. Plus a better raw power already. So this is another one too. If you want like a, a later rounds kind of flyer, you want some upside. Tony Blanco's guy I've been kind of targeting in my first year player drafts. And yeah, a couple other names you're intrigued by here this international class, Chris. Yeah, D- Diego Benitez with the Braves and no homer pick here. But, uh, <laughs> he's this is the quote from MLB Pipeline. Benitez is a toolsy shortstop that has drawn comparisons to young Manny Machado. Now that's pretty lofty expectations, and we always like shy away from these. We're like, don't listen to these. But when a guy gets high praise, you kind of pay attention a little bit. He's already at six one 
190. So not as big as Lazaro Montez by any means. And Montez is huge, like massive dude. But anyway, Benitez is is pretty well-rounded player. I'm not sure he's going to be like a huge standout in any one area, but he's got really good bat speed. Uh, the reports are good about his plate approach as well. He can hit the ball to all fields extremely well. And a, a big line drive hitter. So I guess the biggest thing will be him adding loft to get to that, that home run power. But there's a lot of good reports about him that he picks up spin well. And I really like that. And the Braves were this was the Braves' first year back into the with a full international signing pool after the all the scandal with Kevin Maiton and all that stuff. And yeah, but anyway, so they were excited about him. I don't know. I think Benitez could really pop off and be a really solid player that is really under the radar. So I just have him just inside the top 50 overall for FYPD, but I think you can get him a lot later than that. So Benitez is one to watch out for, in my opinion. Yeah, totally echo that uh, on my side as well. I have him 54th, so only a few spots behind Chris. Yeah, definitely a lot of intriguing guys in this year's international market, led by obviously Vaquero and Roderick Arias. And then after that, just for the other international guys, the third one I have is Ricardo Cabrera. And then, going down my list here, Anthony Gutierrez, Juan Ben Cho, and William Bergola Jr. Those are like my top six. And I have Tony Blanco at seven. So a lot of intriguing FYPD guys this year, but don't don't go overboard, obviously, because you know there people tend to go over. Like we saw that with Jason Dominguez, like people go overboard on these international guys every year. And don't avoid them, obviously, but just don't like, don't take Fuquero fourth or something like that. Let's just just really get a look to see where they value as opposed to others. Yeah, look at the skill sets and and go from there. Right, any other before we go take the break and get in, into the listener questions, Chris? Any other risers or fallers you wanted to uh, talk about here? I think think I'm pretty good. I don't just looking down. I don't really see anybody that made significant gains one way or another down a little deeper. But yeah, I think I'm good. I'll mention a couple others real quick that did rise a bit in my rankings. Alex Benellis, drafted by Milwaukee, came over to Boston. He had a really good showing in the minor leagues after the draft, after a kind of a so-so final collegiate season. So he's kind of been going back up my rankings a little bit here as has, where was he? Aaron Zavala's moved up a little bit for me. Ethan Wilson's moved up a little bit for me from the Phillies. I think he's had an underrated power speed blend there as well. Ben, I've moved Ben Kaderna above Frank Mazzucato barely, but I liked, you know, looking back, Chris and I have talked about it uh, multiple times before, about how we, you know, we saw both of these guys out at fall instructs in Arizona, and we are both more impressed by Kaderna than Mazzucato, and I kind of looked into it more, and I think I... I like Kaderna more, so I'm going to rank him as such. Uh, so there's a couple other guys I moved up. Denville Clark is another one. It's really toolsy from the Oakland Athletics. Great speed. Uh, if he comes along at the plate with the hit tool, he could be a could be a guy that really shoots up even higher, like top 25 or 30 from this class for sure. So there's a couple other names that have moved up for me. We'll, we'll go ahead and take a quick break here, though. Come back on the other side, get into the listener questions, and round out the show with a little sneak peek at next year's kind of it's the top 10 for next year's actually technically this year's draft class, this summer's draft class and how they kind of compare to the current class we're talking about here. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this.
Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into the listener questions, and thank you to everyone for that submitted questions, whether it was on our Discord, through our Patreon, or on Twitter. We had a bunch of great questions here, so we'll try our best to get to them all. If we don't, we apologize, but we'll do our best here. First question we got on the docket, Chris. What player has top 10 fantasy pick potential down the road? And that's a loaded loaded (laughs) question, but that's a hard question to answer because top 10 overall, like we're talking... Vlad Jr. We're talking Bryce Harper. We're talking Acuna and all the juniors. So, you know, that's a hard question to answer, I think. But maybe what's we kind of look at it as like maybe the top couple guys that have the highest upside for fantasy, the highest ceiling, so to say. Yeah, I think that's fair because top 10 is really, really tough to crack into. But when I think about those high end players, you're obviously looking at either an ace or someone with power speed upside. So, that leads me to my number one player and why I have him ranked here is Khalil Watson because he does have the power speed element that most others don't in this class. And, you know, I don't know what kind of peak power we see from Watson. So the power, if it doesn't like, if it doesn't like evolve into like 25 home run power, then he may not reach this kind of ceiling, but he could definitely be a 2020 type player, I think. So, uh, Watson's that interesting one for me because of that power speed element. But at the same time, like it's so hard to say like what these players could become and really see like where they could end up in, in fantasy rankings. But yeah, for the power speed element, I'd say Watson. I think Lawler has that upside as well, where if all clicks right and he his hit tool develops, which it he's more than capable of, then he could really make that jump as well. When you look at other guys like House and um, Marcelo Meyer, they don't really have the speed element, which Mm. pushes most people up. And so I guess Lawler and Watson are two because they have both the power speed element that could really bump them up a list like that for fantasy purposes. Yeah. The first one I went to was, was Khalil Watson. Like you mentioned the power speed, I think, is there with him. And I think the power will get there. He's a smaller guy, but he really packs a punch at the plate. So I do think the power will get to that level. They could make me maybe make him an early round fantasy guy. Mayor, you know, I have Mayor my number one. I don't think Mayor has that upside. I think he's maybe got the highest floor of any hitter in this draft class, even over some of the college guys. But he's more, like I said, I've kind of comped him. Best case scenario, maybe working that. Corey Seager 2.0, but there's just not much speed there. Maybe Mayer gives you a handful of steals, but I don't think he, I don't even think 10 is in play with Marcelo Mayer. I think he could be plus hit plus power, but he doesn't quite have that speed. But so yeah, Watson's the guy I look at uh, that could be an early round fantasy guy. Jordan Lawler, if the power comes along and that shoulder doesn't hinder him long term, he definitely could be that guy. I, I agree that Brady House doesn't quite have the speed that we're looking for. 
Cowser has the hit tool, not the power, not quite the power speed. Like so, he's got decent power speed, but not quite what you're looking for from an early round guy. Harry Ford has that upside. He'd be like yeah. the number the third hitter I'd look at here. So that potential plus power, plus speed, maybe even plus hit. We'll see. He's got that upside. Another one, maybe Benny Montgomery has just crazy stupid power speed blend, but very very raw at the plates. So raw enough that I don't want to include him in this, but maybe just put him as a dark horse. That if that if that hit tool comes along, that he could be plus course field, and everyone thinks all oh, the Rockies, but you know this the talent is here. If that hit tool comes along, maybe Vaquero, he'd be the other guy. I don't think Toronto's quite has that ceiling, but Vaquero could. And the only pitcher I really look at would be Jack Leiter here. Maybe Jackson Job, but definitely Jack Leiter for sure. He's obviously the highest floor guy in this draft class for pitching side of things with a high ceiling as well, of course. Next question. What guys from the back half of the top 100 list do you think have a good chance to skyrocket up list this season? I mentioned one of them earlier. Denzel Clark is a guy you can get back end of the top 100. I think could be a, a big riser this year. So that, that speed is there. Power is developing. We'll see how the hit tool comes along. Uh, a couple others here. Jordan Viers is a good one. I think he's definitely being slept on in first-year player drafts. Those are the two that stand out the most. You know, maybe, you know, guess the big power guy, Nico Cavadas, could jump up. Maybe get Wes Clark jumping up. So those are some of the names I look at here in the back end of my top 100. Chris, who are some guys for you? Bryce Miller stands out. He's been getting a little more love recently, I've noticed. But uh, Miller, somebody I really liked at A&M last year. Big fastball. He locates it well in the zone. You know, just a two-pitch guy. But He, he just hit 100 the other day, too. Did you yep. see that? Yep. Uh, bullpen I saw. So he he's sneaky to move to move up some, I think. TJ White's one that I'm probably a little low on. We discussed him a little bit in our our Nationals Patreon podcast. Um, but he's one that can move up. I, I really like White. I'm in the in 90 for FYPD, but I need to move him up a decent bit because I almost have him in my top 400. So that needs to be adjusted there. Braylon Bishop, he's yeah. one that we talked about, you know, is a potential high end draft pick that where he his signability led him to go much lower in the draft, but he ended up signing with the Pirates. There's a lot of raw skills there in Bishop's profile, but um, not out of the realm of possibility that he makes a big jump as well. Like Clark, like you mentioned, looking around, Christian Encarnacion Strand is a, a decent one with the Twins. First baseman, like him a decent bit. So those are a couple names that I could see really making some moves up like for from a pure upside standpoint I like those guys a lot yeah those those are good ones as well another one i just i just saw on my list that i'll throw in here as well robbie martin outfielder from florida state in the rockies organization and he could be a nice riser as well as a nice little power speed blend that you, that you can get later on so i think he's one that you know, look at his his draft slots he went pick 230 overall. So I think people sometimes look at the draft pick more than they should. So he's a guy you can probably get late. That's a nice little power speed blend as well. Next question here. How are your leagues approaching say Suzuki for FYPDs? If he doesn't sign post lockout, does the manager have to cut him? Is he ineligible for your FYPD? That is an interesting question because I think it's, you know, it's, it's league dependent. And I think it's something you know, everyone leagues get together and figure out. You know, me personally, it's my thoughts on it. 
you know, if someone's if you've already had your FYPD and obviously Suzuki was taken, I'm okay just letting him sit on that roster for a year. You know, he'll be if he's not gonna come over this year, he'll come over next year. So I'm okay with just letting him sit there. And I think it'd be it'd be too hard to go back is what happens, then you have to figure out, all right, let's say someone took Suzuki fifth in your FYPD and then he has to, you know, he or she has to give Suzuki back. How do you compensate that lost draft pick? Do you have my draft pick next year? Just I think it creates a lot of additional headaches that you don't want to deal with. So I'm fine letting Suzuki stay on the team that drafted him. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that in some leagues that if you draft him and he doesn't sign, you end up having to cut him. But the alternative there is you could do a comp like a compensated draft pick for next year, which would be interesting, kind of like the MLB does. So that yeah. could be a fun way to go about it. I'm pretty confident that he signs. And so, as am I, yeah. Yeah. So, and he said he's signing after the lockout. He, he would have signed if, I mean, cause his posting would have been up December 19th. So he would have signed if there was no lockout. He, he had already been on team. We'd already known everything, blah, blah, blah. But I think you should have him eligible in the FYPD because then the frustration becomes if he's not and he signs, then there's going to, your league's going to be fighting on how it should be handled. And there's going to be, if you say fab, then people are going to spend all their fab on him. It's going to create a mess. People are going to say it's not fair. If they had the top draft pick, they wanted him, et cetera. So I would just let him be included. If he doesn't get drafted or if he doesn't sign, then I'm fine with him sitting on the roster. I'm also fine with having to cut him. But I think the the manager should be awarded some kind of compensation if he doesn't sign. So Agreed. that would be yep. that would be my solution. You could potentially add another draft pick for next year's class if he doesn't sign. But all that being said, he's I'm about 100% sure he's going to sign. So yep, same um, have him included in your FYPD draft as if he's signing because he likely will. Maybe with my Red Sox. We'll see. Yep. Uh, definitely been rumored as a, a potential landing spot there. So we'll see. Next question here. What is the trade value of a top five FYPD pick? Like X for Y isn't a trade in a trade isn't enough, but X plus FYPD equals Y. Chris, what are your thoughts on that one? Mm. This is the questions we get a lot. What is it worth? It's tough to value because I think people always overvalue draft picks in general. So if you have a top five pick this year, I'd probably shoot for a top five pick next year as well. And actually, I'll give a shout to James Anderson, who actually wrote a really good piece on this of how to to value those picks in FYPD. He wrote like FYPD primer, basically setting up the whole thing and what he would trade it for. So <clears throat> just go into his article real quick. If you don't subscribe to Roto-Wire, you probably should. There's a lot of good information there. But he talks about how... Basically, so the one range, like the first overall pick, he obviously he has Marcelo Meyer there. Most people do, but he talked about the two to seven range, all being in the 35 to 50 range. So talk if you look at like other prospects you may trade it for, it would be people in that range. <clears throat> um, and it just depends. Like you can look at our rankings and see on fan tracks and see where they slot in at. But if you're looking for win now pieces, which would be the reason to trade. FYPD pick, in my opinion, is if you're looking to to build more of a contending team, I'd shoot for, if you had a top five pick, I'd probably shoot for at least like a top 150 overall player on our, our dynasty rankings, whoever that may be. I would start there and then kind of work from there. 
but you kind of mentioned like a formula. So <clears throat> X plus FYPD equals Y. So that's when you use leverage the pick to get something better. So you say, I'll trade this top five pick plus said prospect for higher end MLB player. Like that's the reason to trade picks or to trade prospects is to make your dynasty contending roster better. And so that's kind of what I look at. And it's hard to give like an exact example of that, but you can kind of judge it based on the dynasty rankings, like where we have players ranked, like from this FYPD class. So say like somebody, you have the one pick and somebody wants Marcelo Meyer, then go over to our dynasty list and see where Marcelo Meyer is. And that gives you at least an idea of where the value is comparative to MLB players and values all speculative, like everybody values differently. So it's tough to give a great answer, but I'm using picks and prospects to make my team better from an MLB standpoint where I can contend. So that would be the goal of trading that in my opinion. Well, well said. All right. Next uh, we got, I have picks 10 and 12 after some trades. I'm targeting of at 10. Who else should have, should I have an eye on? That's actually a fun range to be in. I think because you'll get some of these guys from like my second tier that could fall. Like you might see Colton Cowser fall to the 10 to 12 range. You might see, you know, Harry Ford in that range, you might get, you know, or you can go one of the opposite guys. Maybe James Triantos is there or Trey Sweeney. So that's a really fun range to be in. Cause like 10 or seven through 14 in my rankings. I don't think there's a huge gap there. So you can probably get two of those guys, see who falls. Vaquero is definitely in that mix as well. If you want to take him with one of those two picks and then see if maybe Davis falls and be Cowser falls, Benny Montgomery's in there as well. Harry Ford. So, a lot of upside in, in that range. A lot, a lot of good targets there for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And somebody's going to fall in that range. Like <clears throat> you probably won't. I mean, I'm assuming that Watson, House, Meyer, Suzuki, Leiter, Lawler are probably off the board. Probably Henry Davis too. But I I wouldn't be surprised to see Ford on the board at 10. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cowser on the board at 10. Trey Sweeney, like I'd take all those. Vaquero's a good target too. Benny Montgomery's a good target at 12, I think. So he may be he may be one at ten or twelve. So if you can go Vaquero plus one of those players we just mentioned, then you're going to be pretty well set, in my opinion. For sure. All right. Next here in FYPDs that are add like all all the free agents that weren't already on a roster, so other prospects as well. Where would you put late season breakouts like Stephen Kwan, Nelson Velazquez, or Lars Newtbar? Chris, where do, where do you got those guys in comparison? Oh, Quan's in a different tier than the rest of those, in my opinion. So Quan is going to contribute this year. Quan is a safer bat because of the high contact rates. I mean, like 90% contact minor league rates, like just silly stuff. He may not have the power of Velasquez, but he's going to chip in power and speed. Like he could be a 15-15 type guy with a, a 280 average. Now there's no guarantee that Quan hits as a rookie I do think he debuts early this year because Cleveland's outfield is a mess. They don't really have anybody. So Quan for me slots in in that in the third tier where I would draft him around the likes of Trey Sweeney, Matt McClain, Christian McQuero, or Benny Montgomery. While he may not have the upside of those guys, he's going to contribute soon, and he has the high floor. Velasquez probably falls into tier six for me, like the Josh Baez, Zach Geloff. Cooper Kenny type range where he's like the back end of the twenties for as far as like rankings, because I, I do think it was a little fluky. His Arizona fall league, he still swings and misses a lot. Newt bar. 
I just don't see Newt Bar getting playing time. Newt Bar's yeah. in training. But where does he fit? Even with a DH, he does not fit anywhere in that lineup. I mean, they're load, the Cardinals are loaded in the outfield. Plus, I don't expect him to be the DH they look to fill that role with. Like, So, Newt Bar, I'm honestly not considering. Like, I'd rather just take a younger player and, yeah, same here. and hope that they pan out versus drafting a large Newt Bar in FYPD. But Quan would be a target. Velasquez would be a later target for me. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I'd have Quan probably back into my top 20 around like McLean, J. Allen, Gavin Williams, James Wood range. Velasquez probably he lines up more like in the mid 30s, like Will Bednar, Christian Franklin, Maxwell Muncie, Juan Bincho, maybe in that area. But also depends on if you want to take the upside guys or not. And Newt Bar, maybe, I don't know, in the 60-ish range. You know, he's a decent player, and I don't think it was a complete fluke what he did last year, but I echo exactly what Chris said with that playing time. Where does he fit in? He, I think he needs a trade because he's behind. You know, they get, they're still going to try to fit in Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes, and they already have all, the gold glovers all over the field. So I just don't see him being anything more than a fourth outfielder in the short term. and. Uh, long-term doesn't have that great of an upside. So if he's not helping you in the short term, it really kind of minimizes his impact to your team, whether you're in, uh, even if you are in a win now mode. So yeah, I, I maybe if he falls late enough, he's in the seventies, maybe I'll take a shot on him at that point, but he'll probably go earlier than that. So after the season he had last year, next year, FYPD targets who could reach the bigs first. I mean, Jack lighter is an obvious pick there. Some of the, you know, another guy Gavin Williams could be a fairly quick riser. Sam Bachman, he could go the bullpen. They could use him out of the bullpen if the Angels are in playoff contention, which is haha, I know, kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, he's a, those three arms could definitely rise a, a good amount there. Maybe like a Will Bednar for the Giants, polished collegiate arm out of Mississippi State, hitting side of things. You know, obviously, this was a very prep bat heavy class. I mean, Suzuki, okay, not even talking about Suzuki, so he'll be in the majors on day one. But I think Colton Kowser probably is the quickest riser there. Him or Trey Sweeney, maybe a Matt McClain. Those are the three I look at. Davis, you, I would say, but he's a catcher. So usually, and Pittsburgh's been known to kind of slow cook their prospects a little more than most. So I don't think he's one of the first few bats to reach this class. But yeah, those are the names I look at. Yeah, and I'd add Sal Frelick. I mean, he's yeah. you know, a high-hit tool type, so he could debut pretty quick. Any pitcher, I mean, because you look like Garrett Crochet, I mean, he debuted that like right after being drafted. So I would say the pitchers have the best chance to make it first. Probably Bachman. I think Bachman is probably more of a reliever. He's kind of like Crochet. So I see Bachman making it to the bullpen if they need him. Lighter, I think he's ready enough i mean we'll see i bet they start him in double a this year if i if i was guessing so he may be one that moves quickly through i still don't think we see him this year in the majors but bachman i wouldn't be surprised if we if we do see him this year i think you hit on most of them I don't, i'm looking i don't really see many others that will make it that quick but pitchers plus like a, a frelick and Kowser could be the ones that and even Matt McClain, I think Matt McClain's advanced enough where he probably is late 2023 at least. So seems like a long way away, but you know, those will be the ones that I think debut first. 
Yeah, and my goal is on at least one dynasty team to have both Sam Bachman and one of the Turners, Justin or Trey, just so I can have my team name be Bachman Turner Overdrive. I just want one <laughs> team named Bachman Turner Overdrive. Going a little 70s frock there, <laughs> at least for one season. I won't keep it long term, but all right. A couple more here. We'll go a little quicker here so we can get our 2022 sneak peek in as well. We already talked about the tiered top 10. So guys outside the top five to six rounds of the MLB draft who may be targets. They're actually a good amount this year, Chris. Like you got some of the guys that they didn't think would sign, but actually did sign. So who are a couple of guys you're looking at out that fit this criteria? Let me pull up the draft board to make sure I'm right on all these. What comes to mind for me is Parker Shavers. I think he was 10th round, if I'm not mistaken, to the Cubs. He's out of Coastal Carolina. Yeah, he's sorry, he went seventh round to Coastal, but he's one that was talked about potential first rounder at one point, and he he really fell off pretty quickly. But I, I still like Shavers and think he's a solid player. Um, Hunter Parks, round eight to the Cincinnati Reds. He's another one. He was a JUCO pitcher here in South Carolina, where I mean, just really really good stuff. And he had some injuries that kind of factored into his falling, but he had, was another one that had been talked about maybe being one of the top Juco players off the board. But um, I had seen some video of him in the offseason, and he was just looking very, very dominant. So I'm thinking that Parks could be a big strikeout type guy. Who knows if he's a bullpen guy, but but he's at least intriguing. Yeah, I found, the, I found a video where he was touching 100 in October after he was sitting 91 and 93 in much of the spring. So that's, that's pretty intriguing there. He was actually committed to, he was going to, a Juco guy committed to play at South Carolina. So he'd been playing SEC ball if he hadn't got drafted, but he's with the Reds, signed with them. So both those guys come to mind. I'm going to look up a couple more while you you take yours. Yeah, a few that stand out to me. We already mentioned him earlier. Braylon Bishop went in, I mean, it was like the ninth round. No, maybe later than that, like 12th or 13th round. He was picked 403 uh, to the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's definitely one I would target. Wes Clark was picked 297 out of South Carolina to the Milwaukee Brewers. I already mentioned Robbie Martin. Fielder, he fits this criteria as well. Nico Cavadas, big. Cavadas is a big boy. Like He's yeah. just got big boy power. First baseman, maybe probably more of a TH long term, but out of Notre Dame, went to my Boston Red Sox. Another one um, just for that power that could carry him into a DH role long term if he hits enough, which I think he could. He was a solid hitter at Notre Dame. A couple others here. You mentioned Parker Chavers. That's a good one. I like Parker Chavers in the Cubs system too. I think that's a great fit for him. Now, those are really the ones that stand out the most to me looking at my list here. Maybe a guy like Will Frizzell out of Texas AM. He went, I believe, in the seventh round. Mike Vassell, right-hander out of Virginia, went to the Mets in the seventh round as well. Yeah, those are the guys I kind of look at here. Yeah, there's a couple. And honestly, the arms are the more intriguing, like the college arms. So yeah. Richard Richard Fitz out of Auburn, he went to the Yankees in the sixth round. He was a very solid arm at, at Auburn. So he's one that I like as well. Kevin Abel, another solid arm out of Oregon State. He went seventh round to the Reds. The Reds got a lot of good pitchers. Sixth round Reds pick Justice Thompson at North Carolina. Oh yes, Justice Thompson. I fully yep. forgot about him. Yep. Yeah. He's intriguing. Luke Albright with the Diamondbacks. He was out of Kent State. A very underrated college arm, I think, but he went sixth round to the D backs. He'll he'll be one to watch. Yeah, there's some intriguing names. Um, not all these ranked on my FYPD list. I probably should put them on there because if I'm mentioning them, they need to be on there. So there are some intriguing guys late. And these this is like a 
a 30 team like FIP that you were talking where you're right. taking shot on these guys. But, you know, they, they're they intriguing enough for like just outside the top 100. They could give you a decent value for your pick. So, yeah, you got any more you, you thought of? or uh, Not really. I think we covered them yeah. all pretty well here. Got good, a lot of targets there. Definitely uh, some good players later on in this draft class. Our last question is actually something we're going to talk about here. Uh, they're asking how many players from the 2022 draft class would rank number one here. We're going to talk about that now. We'll give a little sneak peek of the next year's draft class, which is absolutely freaking loaded. Let's just give our, you know, we won't go obviously super deep into that. We'll have our own. We'll talk about this draft class ad nauseum in other episodes in the future. But I think let's, let's just give our top 10 here for the 2022 draft class that so we can talk about how they compare to the top of this current draft class we're talking about for me there's a you know i have a this top 10 is absolutely loaded and it doesn't even include dylan lesko i just bumped him down from 10 to 11 to move somebody else up into the 10 slot the top four i've gone back and forth on a million times i have stayed with elijah green at one uh, i've seen others have any of these other three guys in there but i have green at one Outfielder IMG Academy in Florida, Chase DeLauder, outfielder James Madison at two, Drew Jones, son of all-star center fielder for the Atlanta Braves, Andrew Jones, uh, out of Wesleyan High School in Georgia at number three, Termar Johnson, who might be the most advanced hitter out of all of these, probably is actually, uh, number four, another Georgia high school guy. Chris, you're so I'm so jealous you live down in that area. You got all these <laughs> guys like within a few hours of you. And then I got Jace Jung, tech, uh, Texas Tech second baseman at five. Gavin Cross, no relation, but it's just cool to see some guy named Cross up in the top <laughs> ten. Outfielder from Virginia Tech six. Brock Jones, outfielder from Stanford seven. Jacob Berry, corner infielder from LSU eight. Brooks Lee, shortstop from Cal Poly nine. And then I have Dylan Beavers, outfielder from California at number ten. Chris, who's your top ten? All right, so I've actually got Tamar Johnson number one because I think he's the highest hit floor. Like the hit tool was absolutely insane there with for his size, just really, really good power. So Green is number two, and really they're one A, one B because Elijah Green's ceiling is one of the best I remember in a long time. I mean, you just look at what he does. He's a great athlete. He runs well. The power's certainly there. You saw the video the other night where he hit that monster home run like 110 off the bat and it was pouring rain like the rain was you could see it moving sideways like it was that strong in the and you saw it in the video and he just he, the nature mother nature couldn't stop him like he was that good so in drew drew jones three so the the prep guys dominate the top of this in my opinion and then followed up with with jace young at four and brooks lee at five then dylan lesko comes in i think lesko is going to be the highest prep arm that we've seen drafted in a while he's just downright nasty and some teams shy away from prep arms others don't so it really depends on what teams are feeling but i think he's a a top 10 pick and he's got the stuff where you think about a landon sims who is going to be one of the top college arms where give dylan lesko three years in college and think about where he'd be and he's already as advanced as sims in some ways so that's why i have him a little higher because i think that the upside is just so great here and I've got Brock Jones um, from Stanford at seven, Gavin Cross at eight, Jacob Berry at nine, and Chase DeLauder at 10. And for because I like him, I bumped 11 with Landon Sims. So Sims is a, a really talented arm. I'm on another arm in there. So I put, put Sims in at 11 in that slot. So very intriguing mix of prep and college. And 
the arms are actually really good too. Like I don't, I'm not sure there's any Jack Leiter in this class, but the depth of the arms is also really good in this class. Yeah, we still got plenty of t- plenty of time. There could there could be a Jack. Le- I don't mean that Jack Leiter, but definitely could be some guys that pop up. There will be some guys that pop I mean, up. This guys that Kamar Rocker was the lock at one one, and, and Leiter right. wasn't really considered. So yeah, and it was another guy that was Judd Fabian. Fabian yep. was a guy that was like near the top of the board yep. before the season started, and then he had a subpar year, very inconsistent showing for Florida. So he dropped down to what the 30s of, of yeah, some fypd rankings and then obviously he didn't sign yep. uh now he'll be back in this year's draft class do i where do i have him i have him on here somewhere i have him 26 as of now but we'll see <laughs> that definitely can change yeah Atlanta sims is a good one as well right hander from mississippi say i have him 18 uh, but i could bump him up even higher so the the big difference we have here is i have the louder at two you have the louder at 10 I'm, i've obviously been very vocal on my chase to louder love. I think he's going to be uh, an absolute. He's could be like uh, Colton Cowser with more power speed upside. That's that's where I'm at on to louder, but it's, it's definitely a, a very talented top 10. I would take in terms of people that I would take over, uh, you know, the Marcelo Mayer, Kalia Watson's of this draft class. I would take green. I would take the louder. I would take Jones. I would take Johnson. And then it's Jace Jace Young, my number Jace Young, my number five, younger brother of Josh Young. Uh that's when it starts getting like he'd be right in that range. So definitely my my top four. Young would probably be right in that top tier of the 2021 draft class. Brock Jones probably in, in Jones, Barry, Lee, Beavers, Lesko probably all in tier two. Like Lesko would probably be a little bit ahead of Jackson Job for me. So he'd probably be in the teens or so if you combine these draft classes. So it definitely a very exciting top 10. And like I said, we'll have a lot of other guys that probably pop in here uh, as the collegiate season just started, what, about four or five days ago. So definitely a lot more guys that could pop into there, but a very exciting class altogether. Yeah. And you know, there's, you mentioned the differential and ranking Well, I have DeLouder a little lower. Um, it just shows how good the, the top 10 is. And exactly. Yeah. Some are going to say, well, you're moving him down based on his slow start. no, I'm actually not. So my question is, you you look at Chase Young, who hit for as good of average over a much larger span last year. I mean, DeLauder only played about half the games versus Young, who played 56 games and hit for a three thirty seven average with 21 home runs. And I think DeLauder's approach and hit tool is is just as good. I mean, we saw him on the Cape. And really, that's where he his value really vaulted was in the Cape Cod League, where he was extremely good. But I just wonder how much of the power we see stick. And that that's my, my biggest question mark with DeLauder is the, is the power. I think he's very similar to Colton Kowser personally, which is about where I have Colton Kowser uh, ranked in last year's class. So, and just with the, with the depth of this class, I would say that it's a, it's a fair spot, but you'll see them all over the board. And so we mentioned a lot is going to change week over week over week with this. And so there's a long way to go before draft day. So the board could look dramatically different, but yeah, right now I definitely have Tamar, Elijah green and drew Jones all as top 20 prospects, most likely. So they'd slot in at number one in this class. I think young and Brooks Lee are pretty close there with the number one spot for this year. So three to five, I would say would be considered for to be number one in the 2021 draft class for FYPD at least. 
Yep. Very exciting. We'll see. It's going to be a very fun collegiate season here leading up to the draft in about well, four and a half, five months or so. So this will definitely change. We'll do more episodes regarding the 2022 draft class, of course, once they all sign. And then we'll do more next uh, fall as well, of course. So, But that will wrap up this episode here. Hopefully this FYPD update was very beneficial for you all as your FYPDs get underway. Or maybe you've already had them. Or maybe you got some more. But hopefully this helps you. This was a lot of fun. We hope you all enjoyed it. And thank you for tuning in again this episode. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at EricCross04. Chris is at RotoClegg. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on Fantasy Pros or our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.